Welcome to Southland Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. I'm with Steve Walsh. Hello. And we're in the Blue Mountain Calf in Penge. Maple Road. Who knew that uh, these fancy calves have made it all the way down there, Steve? <laughs> all the way down to the very edge of civilization. Penge, perhaps the least glamorous place on the surface in South London. Or by reputation, I should say. Yeah, it's one of um, the more loaded places we've been to. I mean, you tweeted earlier that you're in Penge and got uh, an immediate response from a complete stranger. Yeah, using was, a swell word to describe the yeah, place. And not, you know, not in a confirmation way. Like, that is the... You know, there's ways you could phrase it, but they, they chose not to. They chose to be quite rude about things I'd imagine they'd never been to. I think people have a negative view of things that end with E-N-G-E. Yeah, there's definitely a linguistic element to it. I mean... When Penge uh, is mentioned in popular culture, uh, it's always negative and usually quite derisory. It's like it turns up in like Monty Python and the Goon Show and the writings of Robert Rankin as a punchline because it's a funny sounding word. Isn't any I can appreciate that entirely, but it will sort of skew people's opinions on the place. Penge ain't no joke. Uh, we're, we're going to be walking around Penge and Annerley, the neighbouring area. And Steve's going to tell me the history of the place. Yeah, and convince people that, you know, I wouldn't say make a journey, but if you do find yourself there, there's a couple of things to look out for. Quick announcement. On Sunday, 30th of March, we are running a pub quiz at the Ivy House in Nunhead. Go to facebook.com. If you go to facebook.com slash southlandhardcore, you can find out all the information. Uh, how to get there and stuff. Bring your mates. We've got loads of space. Southrunhardcore.com and at SLHC on Twitter and Instagram. If you can't make us a quiz but you want to get involved, do feel free to email or DM us on Twitter with a question for the quiz. Because that way, it so lets people get involved and they can't make it and it's fewer questions for us to write. Yeah. So quite clever, really. And you'll be able to listen in a couple of weeks. You'll be able to listen to the quiz. At home or on your way to work. Maybe not questions. That was my question about two teams. We get the name Penge from. You're supposed to laugh. It's been so long since. No? That joke isn't funny anymore. <laughs> Too close to home, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm on the other road. Um, yeah, Penge is a Celtic place name. Not many of those still going in London, you'd imagine. No? I don't know, I can't think of any others. Everyone else is pretty much uh, resolutely yeah, Anglo-Saxon. Your area than mine, Steve. <laughs> but a very specific meaning as well comes from the Celtic word uh, "penchat." Pen meaning edge, and chat meaning wood. So it literally means the edge of the woods. And North woods. Yeah, the Great North Wood. Yeah, just uh, up the road. So it, another sort of interpretation people have used is the edge of the wild. So the idea was this was the last place that was relatively open and normal before you went into. The, the untamed woods ahead and Norwood you know we're not talking about it directly today but you can't sort of talk about Penge without referencing Norwood and also Annerley where we're going later on you know it's hard to imagine today just how dense and how large and expansive woodlands you're talking about as an area today divided into upper Norwoods west Norwood and south Norwood because it's so big you can't just you know we were talking today about getting a bus to Norwood you can't just get a bus to Norwood because like if you think you can just get a bus to Norwood and walk the other way you're going to find yourself an hour away from uh, where you're trying to get to mentioned in the Doomsday Book in 1086 Penge as home to 50 hogs because it was pasture it was like the only open exposed land 
before the wood. So it was only really useful for that. Owned by the parish of Battersea. So... Yeah, that's a funny one. It is an odd one. Yeah, but you, you, it was very common at the time, I think, for places to sort of be under the ownership of... Because they were just all gifted to various bishops and lords oh. over the years. So, yeah, you had uh, essentially pasture land that was... Uh, all the revenue from it was given to the parish of Battersea. wasn't a lot of revenue until you get the sort of rise of Britain as na- naval power, where suddenly you've got this opening on the edge of a, a wood that was integral in terms of sourcing materials for the ships. So the Great North Wood gets chopped down to supply timber to the shipyards and obviously this open space here is perfect to sort of like connect roads and transport to get the timber to the shipyards to get the ships built. Well, those people that listen to the railway episode and are still listening to the show. <laughs> Both of them. Well, no. Hardy souls. Yeah, I mean, the canals came down. Yeah. We'll the, get there, will we? Well, yeah, no, we'll, we'll talk about it now. You know, uh, get, all, get all out of the way on it so we can uh, move <laughs> on. But, um, yeah, essentially, you get uh, the canal and the railway coming along both of which are coming through Penge mainly to move the timber from Norwoods, firstly to shipyards to build a navy, but then later you get a point where Britain is so dominant as a naval power that they're not really losing a lot of ships, there's not a need to build any more ships. And then at a time when that sort of starts to decline, you enter the time of metal hold ships, you still don't need the timber. But the idea was that particularly the canal network would allow the timber industry to operate on a nationwide level so you'd have timber from Norwood going all around the country Was there ever like commuter barges Steve? Like a barge home from work? Yeah I don't know you'd imagine well you get sort of like people living on canal boats now didn't you but I don't know how common that was at the time you'd imagine it was pretty much purely industrial was the building of it I can't imagine sort of like people in brightly coloured boats just sort of going this is pleasant, isn't it? And then, <laughs> so the canal fails mainly because the hilly nature of this area means you need 28 locks for the barges to be able to traverse things because it's not, you know, a natural place for water to flow in both directions. They fill it in, put a, ra- a railway in its place, as we talked about on the railway episode. That also fails. That when the 176 came along. <laughs> well, kind of, because you sort of get this transition then from Penge being farmland to a spot for the timber industry to it essentially becoming a retirement spot for the industries that had served the area. So across the road from where we are, on St John's Road, just over there crossing the way, you can see oh, a very yeah. distinctive looking building with three chimneys. And that is part of the King William Naval Asylum which was opened in 1848. Wow. Is that specifically an asylum for sailors that went bonkers? Well, uh, <laughs> the thing is, asylum, uh, in a broader sense of the word, oh. it, it was homes for naval widows and female naval orphans. So it was essentially like a women's refuge, but specifically for um, women who had lost husbands and fathers in the service of the Navy. Oh. Previously, in 1840... You get the opening of the almshouses for the company of watermen and lightermen, which were the canal workers. We'll come up to those in a minute. And they're, um, it's, it's called Waterman Square now. It's all in private hands. They're absolutely beautiful buildings. It's got this massive sort of clock tower in the middle. Um, yeah, just really, really gorgeous. 
And it's interesting because at this point, when these places open, it's not a residential area. In 1841, there's 270 residents in Penge. You had 88 new people with the opening of the almshouses. In 1854, Crystal Palace opens up the road, as in the relocated spot from the Great Exhibition. So in 1841, you've got 270 people living in Penge. By 1861, with the opening of Crystal Palace, you've got 5,015 people living in Penge. By 1871, you've got 13,200 people. So it's a, it's a population explosion. The sort of expansion of local workers and visitors means that it does become accessible with transport as links. Not quite the 176, but we're definitely heading in that direction. We're standing outside St John's Church which is the parish church for Penge, there's a local rumour that I can't substantiate that the bell makers that made Big Ben made the bell for St John's Church and... Sounds feasible. ...that the bell in St John's Church is a smaller version. It was like a test run for the design of Big Ben. How many different type of bells did they make? That, I don't know. This is the figure that... What, should we use the bell template? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, use the bell template. What? what? Both of them. Yeah, both of them. What shade do I spell to be? Bellish? <laughs> you can follow uh, Trip Around Penge and Annerley if you click Map, uh, the link at the top of the homepage on southlandhardcore.com and uh, if you zoom out, you'll be able to see all the places we've been on the show. Click the links and uh, follow us about the place. Also, you know, good chance to use uh, Google Street View, isn't it? Have a look at these arms houses that I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a joke. Yeah, do, do that. <laughs> these arms houses are gorgeous, Steve, aren't they? Yeah, remarkable. I mean, it's the Tudor revival is the style, but it's the Not scale of them as well. <laughs> it's huge, and you've got uh, we're in like this arched area now, um, and above us is like clock towers, and you know, it's yeah, gargoyles. Yeah, it's, it's the most terrifying beast of them all. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hound. The hound. <laughs> <laughs> you you can wander in. I mean, it is private land, as you say. It'd be a lovely place to live, wouldn't it? Perfect. In one of these converted arms houses. Yeah. Um, and on the 176 bus route. On the 176 bus route, much coveted. You know, it's got lovely gardens, a bit overgrown and stuff, a bit wild, like not too fancy in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of a bit neglected, but lovely, like, stonework everywhere. And it is this, the scale of it is, you can sort of stand in the middle of this and you feel like you're in, like, Brideshead Revisited. You yeah. can sort of forget entirely where you are. It's, not that you want to do that. No, no, but it's, it's the thing where, yeah. you, you know, it's not just the, the general thing of them being in Penge, but it's on Penge High Street. Yeah. Like across the road, you've got a Tesco Express. But like you say, it's like not just being somewhere else, it's like being a different time. Yeah, yeah. But you can wander in, um... Yeah, it's incredibly well if you kept. Would, if you were sitting there at a picnic, one of the residents might come out and ask you to move on. Just, but maybe not. No, you just go, I live at number seven. They're like, I yeah, live at number oh, my seven. Nan, my nan lives, uh, I don't say seven, I meant 17. The thing that Penge is arguably most famous for happened in 1877 in Forbes Road. But you won't find Forbes Road anymore. Harriet Staunton is deliberately starved to death by her husband and his family over a long period of time and eventually the story comes out and causes I think pretty much a nationwide sensation but if not yeah. certainly sort of 1877 the area which up to this point has been popular with tourists for 
its location to the Crystal Palace is suddenly mm. besieged by ghouls who basically want to look at the house she died in. Right. It obviously affects the area in terms of tourism, and the council try and do various things. They rename Forbes Road to Mossley Road, which helps a little bit. They also try to claim that it didn't happen in Penge, but that Forbes Road is actually in Beckenham. <laughs> because it becomes known as the Penge murder, and they don't yeah. want to be silenced. Well. No, they want there to Beckenham be a Beckenham murder. murder. It's referenced not directly, but John Mortimer writes a Rumpole story called The Penge Bungalow Murders, which, although I say not directly associated with the case, would obviously be riffing on the idea of that? it. Um, the Rumpole stuff is sort of 70s, 80s. A lot later on, but yeah. Definitely, just uh, to solidify previous reputation. Yeah, just to, just to help, thanks. At first, for Southern Hardcore, we're recording in a telephone box for ambience. Just innovators, aren't we? It's saying we're, we're, when we're recording outside, we're fighting a constant battle with the wind, which, no matter how gentle it sounds, and I remember early on when we'd record, you'd be like, outdoors with the wind, and I'd be like, it's such a gentle breeze. Mm. And then you'd play it back to me, and it's like... <laughs> and it's entirely unlistenable. But, um, yeah, we've never really thought to use these. Uh, it's just essentially, the way I think of it now is that BT, in the 80s, uh, thankfully put up loads of mobile recording studios for us. <laughs> Thanks. Meters away, Steve, is what? The Bromley Millennium Rock, which is part of... Sounds like a festival. <laughs> Apparently they're like dotted around uh, South London, London, the UK, from the Millennium. Like, they just put some stones around like connect places I mean it looks nice enough I'm not a huge uh, fan it's better than the sort of faux do they have any actual meaning on it. I don't think they do I don't know what the how they chose places to put it I think they are just like dotted around but I might not be giving enough credit there I'm bursting for the toilet man this is not the appropriate place though is it <laughs> it doesn't smell of urine no, so that's no. good see it's if we the... get any money out of the uh I would imagine no one's been in this uh, phone box for about 10 to 12 years, isn't it? When did mobile phones become yeah, just like... No, uh, no evidence of anything, really, is there? Some, some light graffiti and... Minimum uh, call charge, £3.48. What's that? For reversing charges. Anyway, Steve, tell us about the Crooked Billet, or Billet. Crooked Billet, a uh, 19th century pub. One of the oldest spots for an inn in the re- local area. Next to the almshouses... But one of the qualifications for getting a place in the company of Waterman and Lightman's Armhouses was that uh, you would be teetotal. It was partly to do with the temperance movement that was funded. So you weren't allowed, obviously, to keep drink in your house or go for a drink. So that, again, there are rumours of a tunnel linking <laughs> the crooked billet and the armhouses there's no physical evidence no. people have like looked and you would looked in like yeah, the cellars of the pub it's got easier way to smuggle stuff in isn't it? well the, the, it was more smuggling people out so people would sort of like sneak out to the pub in the yeah, tunnel right, and right. sneak back to their flats in the tunnel but it's a nice idea I think I think it's more just a case of are we um, going to do our own investigation remember that time you made me look for a plaque <laughs> or evidence of a plaque and you found it <laughs> Can you find evidence of a tunnel? Maybe it's under that rock. That's why they put it there. Let's go. Right, from a phone booth to a photo booth. <laughs> it's like we've taken like a challenge to just find odd places to stand uncomfortably close to one another. Podcasting from confined spaces. <laughs> what do you call this little shopping centre, Steve? It's the Blenheim Centre. Not Blenheim. 
No, I think Blenheim. Blenheim. It's got Iceland, Peacocks, all the kind of high-range stuff. Wilkinson as well. Wilkinson's very good. Is it? What do they sell? It's like Woolworths used to be. They sell sort of all sorts, but a lot of household stuff. And they're not out of business. <laughs> no, but it's good. It's like, um, I need... Uh, Tweezers. Where am I going to get tweezers from? There's a boots on the corner as well. I mean, go to boots. That's a bad example, but you know, it's um, yeah, a good Some place for yeah, practical things. We've come via British Heart Foundation, which when we were in the phone booth, my eyes lit up. Nothing thrills me like a charity shop. Charity shop open on Sundays as well. Always a good yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Two ne- volunteers as well. Next so well there was a well centre that was closed down. Uh, that was uh, so that was closed for the day. Um, I've come. I tried on a green fed Perry but it was too big and it was washed out and I didn't like the colour, so there was nothing there for me. But I've come out with a kind of a... I don't use the word hipster much, but it's a bit of a hipster jumper. I don't know if I it's can nice. pull it off. See, I, I, you asked me in the, the charity shop, and I said... It's a roller coaster now. <laughs> All mod cons, isn't it? Um, you were like, I don't know if I'm hip enough to wear this, and I was like, it makes you hip enough to wear it. It's got this magical quality to it. Hey, we have quiet, didn't we? What's going on with that noise? It's going to be kids in uh, toy cars, isn't it? That's what it sounds like. Right. Lovely moment in the charity shop as well, where uh, <laughs> was uh, struggling, trying to work out how to carry an uh, ironing board, board that yeah. she bought home. And uh, the woman next to her, an older woman, so forgivable to sort of say this sort of thing, she went, you need a man. At which point you were trying to take off just one of your layers and took off all of them, revealing your uh, bare midriff like you're in an <laughs> advert for, you know, body, body lotion or something. And uh, she spotted it and went, oh, there you go. Yeah, well, I just think I found him. <laughs> it's nice that I've still got it, Steve. <laughs> the high street itself is very sort of standard in terms of the shops you'll find. You know, there's, there's a KFC, there's a McDonald's good selection of charity shops and some decent stuff and a nice book selection in that one as well yeah, it's really it's all things we own yeah things that you got be like if I didn't own that John Ronson book I'd definitely buy that John Ronson book yeah if I didn't have the damn United I might buy it <laughs> but the actual high street's still quite interesting as well like all you've got to do and this is true of a lot of high streets is just sort of look above the plastic frontages and you've got some some lovely sort of 20s 30s frontages and architecture you know, remnants of the Isoldo and King's Hall music halls that are on Penchai Street. You've also got on the corner a police station, well, a former police station, closed in 2010. But when it did close, it was the oldest operational police station in London. Oh. And just cuts. Yeah. I mean, they've got one of those magic phones yeah, at the yeah. front that, you know... Well, around the corner there's a police office. Isn't there? Right. So yeah, yeah. Like a few hours a day or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, as long as your crime's committed within, you know, office hours, you're fine. Otherwise, you, you know, they'll, they'll turn up. We took a, we took the alley to the side down to the Penge Snooker Hall, which, is it open? I mean, it weren't open, but... I've seen, it's funny, because, like, I just imagine Sunday afternoons being prime time for snooker halls. I don't know what the idea of snooker hall is. I just imagine they're all fronts for <laughs> organised crime. <laughs> <laughs> Even that one in Campbell. Especially, Especially that, one. that giant one in Campbell. Yeah, that no one ever goes in with paint peeling. Apparently, uh, it's a big hit with local uh, bus drivers. Goes opposite right. the garage. Oh, yeah, It's yeah, subsidised right, right. by the, the, the bus drivers on breaks, essentially going in right. and. St. Paul. Yeah, and definitely not drinking alcoholic drinks. I used to go to Riley's. Well, let me rephrase that. I went to Riley's twice at <laughs> Castle. But people I know used to go all the time. Right, right. And I went to one in Lewisham once. 
I've seen, not recently, so it may have been closed down, but I've seen people walking down that alleyway with uh, telltale uh, snooker cue cases. Right, so, right, I think it is a thing. Have you checked inside, Steve? I haven't. It could just be full of organised crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we might need to leave this photo booth just in case. Yeah, anyone thinks... But no, more importantly... It's someone... a security guard pacing up and down. I'm going to go and see if the Iceland have special K. Iron Man and Partridge gave travel taverns a bit of a bad name. Uh, you know, lack of glamour, you might say. And, you know, uh, one of our listeners, Alex, uh, who lives in uh, the French Quarter of Peckham, was talking about staying in the Premier Inn in Wolverhampton last night. And, like, just saying that gets lost, is not it? We're in the Crystal Palace Travel Extra Lodge. Big plate, isn't it? Just Extra big plate, These guys just walk past them on. We're in the uh, <laughs> Crystal Palace... Tra- uh, they say Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's one thing we have to put them up on. Yeah, isn't it? the Travel Lodge, anyway. Uh, and this entrance is like the least glamorous hotel entrance I've ever seen. <laughs> Just to uh, give a bit of context to it, it's on Croydon Road, which links Penge into Croydon across Norwood. The atrium, and I'm being kind using the Latin words to describe this, <laughs> um, has automatic doors that you can hear going whenever I move my arm. Um, an A board that has a picture of a bed on it and a cleaning in progress sign lying on the floor next to it. There's no evident cleaner. But anyway, what's even worse for me is across the road from here, we've got not only the Penge Conservative Club, but a Penge Conservative Club that looks in in good health, in in good spirits and ruddy health. Quite a fresh Foster's sign up, haven't they, with their name on it? Fresh uh, coat of paint on the front. It looks like it's in use. In the car park. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in our um, Lewisham episode, we found an abandoned conservative club, and I was quite pleased. It was nice to sort of paint look at a, a rotting husk yeah. and sort of seeing, you know, one possible future for the Tory Pie. But then you see this. I mean, you know, social club doesn't necessarily reflect a lot of people just going there for for subsidised drink, as we talked about on last week's episode. But that's nice, it's just a shame that... And and this is the thing, it's a reminder for me that the area I live in is resolutely conservative in terms of members of parliament. But sort of like close to Beckenham and Bromley and this whole sort of swathe of South London is a bit of an embarrassment, really, in Mm. terms of uh, the fact that they not only tolerate, but support the Tories. Yeah. I mean, you live in a flat, Steve, but you're surrounded by houses, aren't you? Yeah. That's the danger, yeah, isn't it? People the thing, live in houses, they throw stones. <laughs> Out of the poor. <laughs> Have you ever been in the Penge Conservative Club? I haven't. I mean, as I say, I, it's something I walk past, or you know, go past every day on my way to work, and it is a bit of a dagger in my side every time. Is it? Yeah. Well, how do you feel about the store selling eels and whelks and stuff? Yeah, I feel... So no, it's been there for a while, actually. I've never, you know... You I think it only it, sets up... Oh, well, I've only ever seen it on Sundays. I'm working Saturdays. So yeah, I can't... You can't sort of subsidise it, can you? No. No, as much as you would like some... Uh, Whelks. Mussels or whatever. Dressed ca- crab. We've walked through a pretty nice little parks, didn't we? It looks like private land has been repurposed, maybe. Yeah, it looks like they've sort of bought land off of... There are houses next to it, mm. and no obvious gardens. I've forgotten the name. But... Penge Green Gym. No, it had another name, didn't it? Oh, like Windsley Gardens? 
Well, if you're in, if you don't know it, then. Don't but I mean, it's very much Pendergreen Gym now. I hadn't been there since they refurbished it, and assumed they'd put up. You know, they have the thing. Burgess Park. We talked about it. The sort of public gym equipment with uh, access for everyone at all times. I think we're about to get turfed. Hello. Hi. Yeah, 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 we're just recording we're just the gonna, podcast. We'll, we'll just be two or three minutes and we'll come out, yeah? Yeah. Is that all right? Thanks, man. We're not vandalising We're not anything. waiting for a train. <laughs> yeah, there's no train service there at Anley Station, so it seems a bit odd that we're in one of the waiting shelters. Yeah, we walked past the ticket office uh, to use the space on the platform to record in, and the guy immediately did a big announcement about that there's no trains. Yeah. Then came out to tell us, I think, there were no trains. It's good uh, service. It's very good service. I mean, there's no service. <laughs> the way they tell you there's no service is excellent service. Yeah, I assume Pendergreen Gym had all the equipment, but from the looks of the signs in there, it's just guided exercise that may take the form of gardening for three hours a week. Is there much to say about Anley, Steve? This where you live. Yeah, it is. Um, there seems to be a wedding going on at Anley Town, Anley Town Hall. Hall. Yeah, Library also there. Good library? Yeah, decent. Nice little... Uh, Local history bit. Which you like. <laughs> listeners know. As we know, and I reference it at the top of the show, I'm interested in where we get the names of places. And Annerley is probably my favourite one of all time. The place itself was in the heart of the Great Northwood. So, where we were in Penge, you go down Croydon Road and then you come into what is now Annerley, but at that time would have been just, just woodland, yeah. In 1827, the council built a road to connect Church Road in Norwood with Elmer's M Road. William Sanderson, who's a Scottish silk merchant, sees this road, sees a tract of land near Penge Common, and has moved to London for his business, but doesn't like the hustle and bustle of town, so opts to build a house in the middle of the woods. Does this, but still has to give people his business address or his home address for business correspondence. So gives them the address and just explains, you know, uh, it's between Elmer's End and Norwood. It's the only house around. The postman know it. It's the only house around. So people address it, having heard him say the only house around. Inish got his accent, hearing it as the Anley house around. <laughs> Address things to Williams Hansen, Anley Hay House, A N L Y. And the, the, the spelling sort of changed over years. Eventually, Sanderson embraces it, puts Anley House as a sign on the front of it, and it becomes not only the address of his house, but the whole area around it becomes known as Anley. This becomes cemented. In 1836, when the railway want to open a station nearby to connect, and Sanderson's conflicted because, like, he's moved there for a bit of quiet and a bit of isolation, but can't resist the idea of having a direct link into town. So he agrees to sell them the land they need as long as they call the station Anderley and they build the station right next to his house, which he gets. It's funny, Steve, you say that because. Recently, we were walking around there a month or so ago, and you said you didn't know where Annerley House was. Yeah, the only reference I'd found to it, apart from... And you said you'd done some digging. Yeah, I did, in uh, that library. And the only reference I found was the fact that it was at the bottom... 
described as at the bottom of Seymour Villas. And at the bottom of Seymour Villas, there's some really nice houses. So I just assumed it was one of those. There's an Annerley Lodge there. Yeah. And I, I figured, like, it's got to be one of those, but just over, over the years... Uh, the it's you know, the exact spot has been lost. But then today we were walking past the station and you spotted a giant sign on a house opposite the station, as Sanderson insisted, and uh, saying Anley House. And then walking down this day, I noticed behind like a shop front, you can see another sign that says Anley House mm. as well. So that's definitely it. It's got two signs, isn't yeah. it? I mean, if anyone wants to come and have a look, it's just above Tony's lunchbox. <laughs> Maybe we'll close, Steve. You can tell the listeners about a hat you found particularly amusing. Hats, isn't it? Yeah, in uh, on Pench High Street, is that the name of the road? That's right. There was a guy in a, a hat I've seen before. I work in a primary school, so I do see a lot of... Uh, I've forgotten the name of the hats now. Snapbacks. Right. And it's got cut-out plastic letters that say money bags. Probably with a Z, I think. But it's sort of raised as well, aren't they? It's like yeah, really... like, like plastic letters that have been yeah. sewn on. Uh, so there was a guy around that that tickled you. Yeah, a lot. That was because a, it's a hat that says money bags, but its letters are made it's of plastic, so made. it just looks really cheap. I'd like to think that that irony is something he's embracing in wearing a hat, but I don't <laughs> think it is. Uh, his hat was put in the shadow, though, wasn't it, Some by this guy sitting outside the town hall? Yeah. I noticed it at a glance away down, and we, we, I made you walk a little further along so I could give you fair warning and give you enough notice without the guy over here because he doesn't need to know that his hat looks ridiculous. He thinks his hat looks great, but it's a hat that says, Sorry, I'm fresh. Sorry in very elaborate script. I am in quite elaborate script. Fresh. Block capitals, isn't it? We're putting out a new South London hardcore hat, and it says, No need to apologise. <laughs> Like the uh, the the cap game, current cap game in uh, unaware London. unaware of it till today. But do you know what? It's one. It's going to be like the Bard and Mine off effect, isn't it? All I'm going to see now mm. for the next sort of six months is increasingly ridiculous hats, and I'm all for it. I mean, caps, baseball caps, to put you know talk broadly. Yeah, yeah. Have been popular for a few decades, but I think you know the snapback thing got very big. What five years ago? Seven, seven or eight years ago? Yeah, ten years yeah. ago. The new, um, new era sort of took it yeah, to another level, exactly. didn't they? So with the customised like stuff. on it, or yeah. uh, just like a, you know, well, they're not so much Yankees anymore, but such a range. I mean, it's extraordinary. Yeah, every amount. American sports team. Baseball, mm, basketball. Yeah. But in the last, I don't know, last 18 months or something, there just seems to be the most amount of ridiculous ones with just one word, one ridiculous word on it. It does feel like it's moved beyond sort of custom ones and like sports brand ones to... I'm assuming there's like a, a, a snapback equivalent of spreadsheet out there where yeah. people can get anything they want put on a cap. And I know there are. When will we get the South London Hardcore logo embroidered on? So if you need any caps or anything, any shopping, and you're going to buy it from Amazon, go to southlondonhardcore.com first and click the Amazon link and you'll uh, help fund the show. You know, today those two cappuccinos won't pay for themselves, Steve. Quite a low-budget show this week, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I might take this jumper... Out of show money. Because <laughs> you mentioned it on the I'll show. Have a, I'll, have a, I'll Google, see the legitimacy of that.